morning, crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Mario, also known as the Node Defender, is joining us. And we got myself this morning, so I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing the game-changing impact of tokenization on the financial world, where blockchain is now taking center stage. As leading financial giants like JP Morgan, BlackRock, and Barclays are now harnessing the tokenization power to enhance the value of real-world assets. Last night during an appearance on CNBC International, Stuart Alderati discussed how the USA is lagging behind global rivals in digital adoption, foreseeing that regulatory clarity might ultimately be attained through legal battles with government regulators. And with the largest financial firms on the planet turning to crypto as a new form of payment, we break down the details, showing our community how the next bull run is shaping up to be the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, can you believe I've done that introduction over 420 times in my life? I, I Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night doing that introduction, but how you feel, my friend? Thanks for being here. I am not surprised that you're probably walking down the street and you're saying it as well. <laughs> sometimes I do. I hear it in my head too. 400 times, over 400 times. That's amazing, man. That shows you that we've been doing this for over a year and you know a little bit more than a year and a half and hopefully you guys are all finding value in the show we do this thing for you guys we do it for free we don't charge we don't monetize so good morning to all the word maniacs out there we love you and we appreciate you guys and I love spending time with you guys, and it's great here to see Mario as well. So can't wait to hop into it. Johnny Crypto, it's not absolutely free. We request our listeners. We have a handshake deal out here. You smash that like button if That's you want. That's right. You gotta smash That's that how like you can button. support us overall. But Mario, right. how you feeling? I see you got great taste. We're matching this morning, so nice job on that. But how you feeling today, and what's on your mind? I'm feeling amazing, man. I hope everybody in the chat's doing doing great as well. Much love to everyone in the chat, to Abs and Johnny. And as you were just saying that you've done this 420 times and you wake up in the middle of the night, I was thinking of, imagine one day you're you're in your wedding and you're about to give your big speech and you're like, good morning. Oh, sorry, wrong venue. <laughs> That's going to be hilarious. Hey, that would be priceless, man. I don't know if that would be a bad thing. I think that would be pretty iconic if you ask me. But guys, we got 171 live listeners already joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Today's going to be a very exciting episode. We're talking about Sam Bankman-Fried. We're talking about JP Morgan and BlackRock. But most importantly, we're going to start this show off with Sam Bankman-Fried. So let's get this thing started the same way we always do by checking out the Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button for updates throughout the day. When we look at some of the daily movers this morning, Gala is up about 4%. We've got Crypto.com up about 2%. Filecoin and Algorand collectively up about 2% as well. When we check out our Merlin market update this morning, we are sitting at 1.04 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 49% dominance. Ethereum is about 18%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 26,700. Ethereum, 1545. XRP is 48 cents. And let's check out Cardano sitting below a quarter, trading at 24 cents this morning. And Johnny, there's a lot of news that I want to get this show started with, but let's start with Stuart Alderati, because last night he did a phenomenal interview on CNBC where he was breaking down how the governments are shifting around the world, but ultimately the United States is reaching a breaking point. Whether XRP, again, the neutral token, 
that we use in our tech stack to enable our customers to benefit from our products, whether that should be classified as a security or it should be classified as a commodity or a virtual currency. We won that issue. We won that issue on July 13th. Um, uh, so hence the, uh, the sticker XRP is security, which I think is gives XRP clarity in the U.S. And XRP as a digital token is now uniquely classified as a non-security in the U.S. But we don't think, even though we won in the courts, we don't think that these issues should be fought token by token, case by case. So I'd like to separate these two clips. We're going to play the remaining 20 seconds here, Johnny. But what he broke down is very, very interesting. He said XRP is uniquely classified in the United States as not being a security, but we're let to, we're yet to see big banks leverage that, right? And as much as you're trying to distract me here, I feel like this is a, almost like a game show. I'm just going to kick it straight to you, my friend. What did you take away from Stuart Alderati's statements? Floor is yours. Did I break up there? No, I, I, my computer didn't want to come off mute. I kind of took away that XRP is not a security. I don't know. I think that's what everybody took away from. But, I, <laughs> you know, he's extremely excited about the fact that that he's right. There is only one real cryptocurrency other than BTC. We already know BTC is not even being considered in the discussion. So um, at that point, starting as of July 13th, Abs, Unless we get an appeal two year, you know, when this case ends, XRP, as the way it was promoted and sold through programmatic sales, is not considered a security. And that's huge for the, you know, it's huge for X, it's huge for Ripple, the company. And I also think it's going to have a broad effect to some degree, but I'm not an attorney. So, you know what? That reminds me, I got to get Rispoli or somebody back on the show. We need to find out how strong of, of a ruling this can be you know, applied to other cryptocurrencies. We know that Coinbase is leveraging this case ruling as well to say, hey, if XRP is not a rule, you know, a security and we're selling these other coins on our exchange through programmatic sales, then they shouldn't be securities either, right? So you're going to see them using that. Now, the, the thing you have to remember with court cases and rulings, Abs, is they're, 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 they, they're, that's the right way to say this. The more, uh, judges or the more districts you get to rule in, in the same favor of those um, rulings, the stronger they are. When it's just one district and it's a lower district, although it is the New York district, it, it you know it has some meaning. But there's seven, I think there's six other or seven other districts in our country. So another district could have the opposite ruling, and that could kind of you know affect it. And then you go up to the next level. Of course, if we get to an appellate level court and it gets held, that becomes a much, much stronger ruling abs. But from what I'm hearing, you know, John Deaton and Jeremy Hogan certainly think that the way the judge made these rulings, it's going to be very, very hard to appeal this thing. So I think we could be on a strong grounds here that Ripple and XRP has a really strong footing going forward that its clarity should hold as not being a security. And I think Stewart's very excited about that. Here's what really caught my attention, Johnny, is he reiterated something we've been saying for quite a while. They can't fight these battles individually in the court. The SEC doesn't have the resources to do so, and that's not even the right way to regulate this market. What they're going to do is go after exchanges. And Stuart Alderati said one thing that really, really is very important. Ripple had the resources to battle back. A lot of these crypto companies are barely staying afloat. If they have to allocate a large amount of resources to battling the SEC in court, 
that could sink the project in and of itself. So the fact that XRP was not only able to survive, but thrive during an SEC case, it shows how much money they have in their pockets, guys. But with that being said, I'd like to play the remainder of this interview. Here's Stuart Alderati explaining the state of United States regulation. Clarity in the U.S. And XRP is a digital token that's now uniquely classified as a non-security in the U.S. But we don't think, even though we won in the courts, we don't think that these issues should be fought token by token, case by case, judge by judge. We think we need a rational regulatory framework. But to your question, uh, although we have some policymakers in the U.S. trying to take the lead to come up with a rational with rational regulatory policy proposals, the chances of anything moving forward in this Congress or the next Congress um, doesn't seem to, I'm not very optimistic about it. Isn't that interesting? And I'm kicking it to Mario here, but Johnny, we've talked about this for a long time. We think that in 2025, they're going to stop using Gary as like the, the figurehead, the bad man in this game, because there's going to be a shift in the chair at the SEC. So he's saying that Congress is continually anti-crypto as well. What do you take away from all this news, Mario? Stuart Alderati on CNBC International. Yeah, uh, Abs. I mean, if there was a company that could, you know, take on the SEC Ripple in the in the crypto market, Ripple is that company, and they they certainly prove that. Not only have they been able to fight them, but they've been able to take this uh, towards a win. I mean, it's definitely a win for the XRP uh, status. Now we're we're yet to see what what comes out on on the ruling as far as you know, ripple sales and and then the two people being accused there. So, but I think that we are witnessing, uh, we're definitely witnessing history in the making. We're witnessing the crypto asset class regulation as it's forming. And so I think that that's super exciting. At the end of the day, I and to reference uh, my friend Johnny K, at the end of the day, I think that we are um, gearing up for like the end of the road as far as the regulations concerned or at least maybe the beginning of regulation as we're starting to see this xrp status and then we're seeing coinbase also fight the sec um we're seeing all these etf applications we're seeing congress finally starting to talk about crypto regulation and how it should look like and and uh asking questions and and, and trying to hold gary gensler accountable um, I believe that we're starting to we're we're getting to a point where we're finally going to start to see positive news come from that front, and obviously it could come in the form of a change of government, um, Gary Gensler leaving as the chair of the SEC. But we really need Congress to come out and say these are the rules and regulations. This is what the SEC needs to follow, because for as long as they don't do that, if we do get a change in the well, when we do get a change of of the SEC chair, I still believe that they're just going to continue to enforce the same rules. So we really need to see new rules come out from Congress. And hopefully this change in government happen next, happening next year will be the, the start of something positive there. Well, Johnny, we like to go counter opinions here. He'll take one end of the spectrum. I'll take the other side and you can respond here. The reason I think we're seeing a structural change in the way that banks have a relationship to crypto is because they're ready to profit off of this technology. And we're going to spend a good portion of this episode Going over the breaking news from yesterday where JP Morgan debuted their tokenization platform listing BlackRock and Barclays among their key clients. And they're tokenizing shares of an asset fund that BlackRock has and multiplying the value. So they're just making more money. That's why I think they're going to be ready to enter this market. We're also going to go over a, a very interesting connection between Microsoft and Algorand as the Algorand fund is collaborating with Visa, Microsoft, and Google to accelerate payments specifically for digital identities. But I know I'm bouncing all over the place. 
This is what the story that we're going to dive into right now as the breaking news from yesterday out of Caroline Ellison and Sam Bankman Freed. Caroline Ellison and Sam Bankman Freed are alleged to have plotted to manipulate the Bitcoin price by selling customers Bitcoin and keeping it below 20,000. Caroline Ellison from FTX reportedly confessed that Sam attempted to unfreeze their assets by offering $100 million in bribes to Chinese officials. Moreover, there are claims of Sam's internal or intentional efforts to deceive Saudi investors during FTX closing days, as well as an alleged attempt to involve regulators, aka the SEC or whoever's regulating crypto in the US, to harm Binance all within a single morning. We got all that news out of Caroline yesterday. Johnny Crypto, floor is yours. Damn. <laughs> I mean, there you have it, boys. I mean, they were moving around, moving their muscle around. They had a bunch of money and they were just going, you know, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, right? So manipulating the BTC price, screwing over the Saudis and going after their, one of the big competitors, Binance, and trying to take them down. I mean, Jesus Christ, there's so much, you know, bad stuff going on here. You know, the only question that ah, the, the thing I have the hardest part here believing is that sam was doing this all by himself i don't know it's just something i don't know he just doesn't look that smart to me let me actually uh, let me let me get your opinion on each narrative right let's do a quick rapid fire round i'm going to put you and mario on the screen so first of all caroline ellison in court yesterday said her and sam had plans to manipulate the price of bitcoin keeping it low by selling customer assets first of all what is your reaction well, so obviously they were dumping, right? Doing whatever they can to drive it down. And so if they're driving the price down, the first question you ask yourself is why? Why are they driving the price down? Well, I'm guessing somebody wanted to buy Bitcoin cheap, right? Someone said, hey, Sam, you know, remember this thing here? Remember this little note I got right here? It's not what you know, it's who you know. I'm guessing Sam knows somebody or somebody knows Sam and said, hey, buddy, you want to buy Bitcoin cheap, so do what you can to drive it down. I'm guessing, right? I'm speculating. I have no freaking clue. But 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 my guess is, you know, somebody told him, you know, that that's he that was he what he needed to do, and he went and did what he could to drive the price down, so somebody could be buying it up cheap. That's my that's my that would be my initial gut feel of what's happening there as to why they would do that. I, I'm not so sure of any other reason other than. You know, if if somebody wanted, you know, maybe somebody, well, I guess so one of two reasons, right? Either somebody was shorting it and they wanted to see how low they could get it to go or somebody wanted to buy it cheap and see how low they can get it go. Either way, it just feels like um, it, it feels like, you know, there was some somebody there pushing him to get that price down. That's that's kind of what my, my gut would say. Mario, I want to get your opinion on this as well. We had him also bribing Saudi officials in an attempt to gain a little bit more money before the shutdown of FTX in 2022. <coughs> this is what's interesting. Besides Johnny coughing in the mic, what's very interesting about this whole oh, article, <laughs> just teasing you. What's interesting about this whole article is the regulators relationship with FTX. And that's what the comments were about yesterday. A lot of comments were tagging Gary Gensler, talking about how he's attacking Binance and the connections he had to the people who were funding FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried in particular. So Mario, are you shocked by the fact that it looks like Sam Bankman-Fried was at least discussing with regulators to go after Binance and promote FTX? Um, I mean, am I, uh, am I shocked? Um, I mean, it still shocks me, but I'm not surprised if if that makes sense. Like, I, I, I don't believe a single word that comes out of their mouth. That's number one. Um, 
And this is a perfect example of how not to run a company. And this is a perfect example of a company that the SEC should have had on their radars. Like this type of behavior and this type of, um, you know, commingling of funds and 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 what whatever they were doing, um, it's – I'm just so surprised that the SEC didn't catch on to it. Instead, they're focused on going after all these different players that actually are trying to be innovators for the space, Coinbase. I mean, first, first public, publicly traded exchange. They're trying to take crypto – mainstream they're doing the best that they can to put the crypto in the in the hands of people make it easy for for people to uh to to get into the crypto space in the meantime you have ftx which was supposed to have been doing the same thing except um you know all the malicious stuff that they were doing in the background it's just disgusting uh so am i shocked to find out about it it sucks for the people that had money in there and lost it uh that's the part that disappoints me but am i surprised unfortunately i am not surprised to find out that there's all these connections with governments and there's all these connections with manipulating pricing, nothing new under the sun. You know, I gotta be honest with you, Abs. So like, you know, we've been talking a lot about the Charles Hawkins and stuff and everybody seems to be interested in that. And then I'm reading in our chat and like, nobody's interested in this story. I gotta be honest with you. This is probably something I'm extremely interested. You should all be extremely interested in this because we're getting the real news. The rats are coming out. The rats are the rats are speaking. You're getting to hear what really happens behind the scenes of corruption. To me, this is I don't want to say fascinating now because it's not. It's disgusting. But what it is to me is interesting because rather than just hearing Charles blurt about whatever Charles wants to blurt about, you're actually hearing what happened behind the scenes in the space that we so dearly love. And everybody's like, oh, I'm tired of asking because I don't want to hear it. No, you should hear it. You should listen. To what's happening. You should hear what Carolyn is saying. You should hear how these guys were plotting to lower the price of BTC, to, to screw the, 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 the Saudis, to mess with China. I mean, these things are important. Pay attention to what's going on here and how these companies are operating. This is this is something you all should be very interested in to understand that you know this is crazy. This is how unfortunately the game is played. And then you can see she talked about how he was going after Binance. Right, so when you saw the SEC go after finance, well, now you kind of know why. And I'm not saying it was it was SBF driven, but who's ever pulling the spring strings of FBS was probably also you know somewhat involved there as well, if I had to guess. But to me, this is complete, you know, corruption at the highest levels. And the interesting thing to see now is what's going to happen. Are we going to see some criminal? Um, you know, are we going to see just civil fines? Are we going to see criminal? Is he going to go to jail? Is, you know, is Carolyn going to also go to jail? Or is she going to get a movie deal and get off scot-free? It's going to be very interesting. But, but man, you could see how these guys were messing with big bucks, $100 million. That's a lot of money to be thrown around, Abs. And that does mess with this industry industry that's in its infancy and trying to get started. And you got corrupt guys like this throwing stuff around. I am. I, I want to hear all the details on this. I, I hope everything comes out because we have to flush this stuff out, and then we need rules and laws put in place to prevent this stuff from happening again. Well, Johnny, you brought up the hundred million. Keep in mind, this wasn't even their money. They're using customers' funds, moving it to Almeida, and then claiming it as profit. Exactly. It's Completely insane. Another thing that I, money. Another thing that really catches my attention, Johnny, was the fact that they touted him as the next J.P. Morgan. They knew what was going on behind the scenes. They knew that crypto, at least these types of crypto players, are involved in shady business. 
And that's something they decided to dismiss. So they put him on CNBC. They put him on Fox News. They put him on CNN. Every single mainstream media outlet was talking about how Sam Bankman-Fried is the next J.P. Morgan and how he's changing the history of finance right now. So I need some comments on that before we move on. You know what, Ab? It's so funny. I'm glad you brought that up. I remember when they were talking about, oh, this guy's the next J.P. Morgan and he's doing this and that. And, and, and so that caught my attention. And I was like, all right, what the hell are they talking about? Who is – I had no idea who he was. I had heard of FTX. I knew what it was. I kind of had a feel for all that. Um, but I was like, what, what, why are they touting this guy to be such this great thing? And he's doing these wonderful things. And I think FTX was a hundred dollars, a hundred dollar coin. And I was like, wow, you know, there, there's, you know, and, and, and even me, it had me thinking like, oh, you know, may, maybe this guy's got something, you know, going on here. Maybe there is something. And you start digging into him and you start realizing there's not a lot. There wasn't a lot there. And a lot of people who had actually met with him and kind of felt he was a scam artist and, you know, behind the scenes, people knew what was going on, but in the front, yeah, they propped this thing up. They made it look great. And, and, and boy, now Sam, you know, and Sam got to live a good life for a couple of years, you know, got to live high on the horse. And now the interesting thing that's going to be is what is going to happen to Sam? Is Sam going to be living in a country club when, you know, if he goes to jail, is he first of all, is he even going to go to jail, right? Because don't forget, he made some serious donations to some very high up people. And now the question is, those get out of jail free cards, are they going to come in handy? You know, you all played Monopoly, right? So is he going to be able to get out of jail free? Or is he going to go to jail? Is he going to a federal jail? Is he going to the country club where he'll slice up the garlic nice and thin like in Goodfellas? You know, I don't know what we're going to, he'll get the real Italian sausages, not that, that fake stuff over there in those other countries. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but anyway, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to him. And so for me, I'm fascinated to see if he's going to be held accountable or is he also going to be like Ethereum? Is he going to get a free pass? What do you guys think? You know, I won't rebuttal the sausage, but I'll say this, a, a, an even bigger shocker is the fact that we've got people like Kevin O'Leary, you know, uh, uh, Mr. Wonderful still endorsing uh, SBF, still saying that he's the type of person he would be in business with. And I think that that's even bigger of a shocker that you got people like him still, even though it's public now, everything that Mario, SBF do we FTX, know when Kevin last, you know, just to be, you know, you know, you know, for, for, for transparency here, I know Kevin endorsed him like a few weeks ago or a couple of days, but do we know if he endorsed him after this Caroline, you know, announcement yesterday, because if no. he's still endorsing him after yesterday, that's more significant than endorsing him before this news come out, in my opinion. So yes. I would be shocked if O'Leary I mean, is still endorsing him. I think, I think you're, I mean, you're right. He hasn't endorsed him after these revelations, but it was already public that he was the brain behind the, the, the pyramid and behind a commingling of funds and all this thing that was going on. So for him to still be endorsing him, I I particularly don't think that that that's a good move on his part. I I agree with you, by the way, but it's even more significant if he still endorsed them after this kind. Oh, of, I mean, after right now, it would be. <laughs> I mean, if, like, if you endorse this guy after what the testimonial just came out now, I mean, you got to be insane at that point. And Mario, it looks like we both lost, so this might make you feel better. Apparently, Polish sausage is the best sausage in the world. Or we call it Kabasi, I guess. But I would be shocked, Abs, if anybody 
is coming out. I, I mean, I, I hope Kevin O'Leary gets asked the question again. And I hope for his sake, if he comes out and still says he supports this guy, well, then, you know, you know, you know, you know for sure Sam Beck Freeman has pictures of, of Kevin O'Leary doing something somewhere in his safe that he don't want coming out because there's absolutely no reason to support this criminal at this point. I mean, it, he, he complete, com, he obviously has committed several crimes. I guess they're financial crimes. And I just don't know. And I wish we had, we got, we definitely got to get an attorney on. I would love to know, you know, what is the penalty on a financial crime? Like, will we see these guys go to jail? Will they go to jail for a long time? Is it a slap on the wrist? I, I don't know. But I did hear, in the Merlin space, if someone came on the other night and said that, like, the judge was so frustrated, there was no counter argument to what, what uh, Gary Wang and, and, and Ellison was saying. Like, so, Johnny, that was first of all, that was Tony Edwards. So, shout out to our friend Tony, uh, aka the Thinking Crypto channel. He's a, he's another great content creator in the space. But what I lost my train of thought there. Sorry, what did you bring up before that? <laughs> what the hell was I talking about, man? Something old. about I I you know what? We, we spent too much time on Sam Bankman Fried, anyways, guys. <laughs> oh, we were you talking about the fact that there was no cross examination. Like they literally were saying that the, the, the attorneys oh, oh what I was gonna bring up is he's facing 110 years. That's the official charges he's facing right now. 110 years. 110 years. Wow, that yeah, that okay, that's good to know, Abs. I mean, that'll be interesting to see if he even gets 10 of the 110. Uh, but that would, oh, wow. Yeah. So I, am yeah, I'm not lying. I, I'm interested to see the reason why to me, like everybody's talking about Charles, forget Charles. This is the case you should be watching. You want to see what happens to somebody like this who obviously had some high connections, made some big donations. Does a guy like this go to jail? I want to know right now what our chat, what our people think. If you think Sam Bank Freeman is going to go to jail for 10 years or more, put a one in the chat. And if, if you, you think, think it's funny that Johnny calls him Sam Bank Friedman, then put a two in the chat, my friend. It is Sam Bankman Freed. Whatever the hell is it? I'll just have, I'll, hey, I'll make it easy. Rat Snake Weasel. That's what he is. If you think that Rat Snake Weasel is going to jail for 10 years or more, put a one in the chat. If you think he's not going to jail, put a two in the chat. I'm just curious to see what people think. Absolutely, guys. And we got 353 live listeners on YouTube alone. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And this is the most important article, I think, for today. As JP Morgan debuted its tokenization platform, listing BlackRock and Barclays as key partners. Why is this so important, Johnny? Because it's it's uh, it signifies the structural shift in the relationship that these companies have with cryptocurrency. For the first time ever, they're going to start leveraging blockchain to multiply the, the value that they're sitting on. They can take Bitcoin sit on it, offer it to their investors at an interest, and for the first time ever, they're ready to do so. Here's the video. Right now, it's hard to transfer ownership of real-world items over the web. Sure, you might, say, buy a car through an online marketplace, but the title that proves you own it will come as a piece of paper in the mail a few weeks later. In the hopes of bringing ownership online, developers are creating tokens that represent real-world items. The great thing is we can do this with almost any kind of an asset. It could be a traditional stock or bond. It could represent ownership of a building. It could represent ownership of a car. It can represent ownership of virtual property in some game land. Once you have these assets that are tokenized, there's so many different use cases for them. You can put derivatives on them. Um, obviously, you can open it up to the masses, uh, whether you're tokenizing something as simple as maybe real estate, to other use cases out there, even securities as well. 
The banks backing this technology think it could expedite trading across Wall Street and maybe create new investments altogether. That's why they're putting their money behind it. For example, JP Morgan has Onyx, a blockchain platform it launched in 2020. In the short time since then, it's handled $700 billion in short-term loans through its private blockchain. JP Morgan says it's a killer app for the future of finance. So we have a platform called Onyx Digital Assets, which is, you can almost think of it as a general purpose tokenization platform with money that's provided through our, uh, you know, our, our money solution, which is called JPM Coin. And now because you can tokenize the security and you have the money on the same infrastructure, you can potentially do a transaction for 15 minutes or 20 minutes or, you know, two hours. And Larry Fink, the CEO of investment giant BlackRock, called digital assets innovation and tokenization at the next generation for markets. Think about that, Johnny Crypto. The biggest critic for cryptocurrencies in 2017 was JP Morgan and their CEO, which is Jamie Dimon, also BlackRock and their CEO, which was Larry Fink. Both of them are working on this project to start leveraging cryptocurrency, guys. And we got 368 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Put it in the live chat. What do you think about this new evolution in payments with JP Morgan and BlackRock partnering to start leverage the Onyx blockchain? Johnny Crypto, floor is yours. Then we'll kick it to Mario. Yeah, this was always my concern. My concern always was that we would see a private blockchain that we can't invest in. And that's exactly what happened. So JP Morgan, you know, will be leveraging the Onyx system, which you and I cannot invest in. And they're using the JPM coin, which you and I cannot invest in. And I'm not surprised. I, I've always felt there was going to be a private network and a private blockchain. The question would be, you know, what side chains play in this and, and can we kind of maybe play in that piece of it? But I always kind of felt they were not going to let this be something that you and I can play in. And so I'm not that excited about it. I'm not going to lie. I mean, because I can't, we, we can't, we can't play. So, you know, but is it going to happen? Yeah, it's going to happen. Tokenization is going to be huge. And now you have, now what we have to do, Abs, is kind of look for the other players in the space of tokenization that we can kind of leverage and play. And hopefully technologies like XLM and XRP will get leveraged elsewhere. But the big player, JP Morgan, is not going to be using you know, the, the Ripple system or, or something like that because they've got their own private system. So that's kind of the takeaway that I, I came away with it. And I'm not surprised. I kind of assumed that was going to be the case. So, um, but we'll look for other opportunities, right? There, there will be other spaces to play because it won't, that won't be the only system. Tokenization is going to be big. Unfortunately, when you got two of the biggest players driving a lot of it, a good chunk of the tokenization will go through that system. We're going to talk about the relationship that they need to have with public blockchains in order to make these yeah. systems interoperable. I so it's not, a, it's not a complete dark day for decentralized yeah. currencies. Specifically, Correct. you want to talk about XRP or HBAR or Algorand, XLM. All of these can be leveraged in the new system because there's something very important about the Onyx blockchain. It is a walled garden. It does not communicate outside of the system, which means they're going to need a currency to do so. And that's yeah. where we can talk about XRP and cross-bridge currencies I've even got a video prepared, guys. So we got 380 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. This is how JP Morgan could future, could potentially leverage Ripple in the future, even using their Onyx blockchain. XRP is going to completely disrupt the financial sector. People have no idea what's coming. Listen to this. Since Onyx was established in 2020, the digital assets platform has also facilitated intra-repurchase or repo transactions in order to provide short-term borrowing fixed, et cetera. But if you guys remember, 
Back in 2020, when they first started this, JP Morgan executes intraday repo transactions using blockchain, December 10th, 2020. And then we're gonna use the JPM coin to facilitate the payments in exchange for collateral, which is not gonna work. The JPM coin is poo, along with the city coin. Clients don't want, you know, individual bank tokens. They want multi, multi-token, multi-border liquidity to, for added efficiencies. You don't have interoperability with these systems. You need all these systems to communicate and Ripple and XRP are the best ones to do it. Okay. December 10th, 2020, they introduced the intraday repo, this blockchain technology they're talking. So Johnny, I know what your take is going to be. So I got to provide, I'm, I'm going to tell people what Johnny's going to say, then I'm going to say mine. This guy's extremely biased because he's talking about Ripple stepping in and getting the opportunity to be that interoperability. Why would Ripple get that advantage? JP Morgan has long time been partners with Ethereum, worked with the Ethereum Alliance. There's even a lot of conspiracies about JP Morgan being tied with the SEC to go after Ripple. I don't think they're going to give them the opportunity, but I like the broader conversation that he brings up, which is this. This is a walled garden. It needs a currency for interoperability. And I do think that something like XDC could be compatible, right? XLM could be another one that's very beneficial. So we don't need to get pigeonholed with XRP here, but I think we're undergoing a structural change and it can't be completed inside of the walled garden. With that being said, floor is yours, Johnny. Yeah, so what you should what you should take, what I took away from that is very fascinating. 10 days, this, this, they, they, JP Morgan has that deal 10 days before the SEC goes after Ripple. That should tell you something right there. But nonetheless, the reality is, as, as I, and I said it, maybe I didn't specify it enough or wasn't clear about it. The most important thing is going to be the side chain. When I said the side chains, that's what I meant was interoperability. Whatever is going to work with the Ankh system is the areas where we can invest in. And I think it's going to be things like quant. Things like Ripple, things like Chainlink, right? Those are the areas that are going to, something that's going to have to connect with that system to be able to bring in that interoperability. So I'm still bullish on Ripple, Chainlink, Quant, you know, those things. And, and, and actually, to me, those are the only areas where we can invest and take advantage of. And so for, for me, you know, it, it tells you that. What, what 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 I'm looking for is to see what are the side chains that are going to work with the Onk system because I believe the Onk system when JP Morgan and BlackRock get behind something, it usually happens. So you could bet that's going to be the major rails for for tokenization. Now the question is, how are you going to interact with the rest of that system? And again, Quant, Ripple, uh, Chainlink, you know, and there's other ones as well out there that uh, you know XTC is it has the ability to work on and off that chain as well. Absolutely. So, you know, for me, I like those other plays and I think those are the best way to be able to play within that system. So I hope that, I hope that makes sense. Mario, I'm going to get your response, but here's a 20 second clip explaining how when instant payments take off, there's no return. Um, when instant payments take off, they're going to take off so quickly in the country that you need to be able to scale rapidly and potentially using cloud because if you're relying on you know standard typical data centers it's going to catch you out very quickly but we don't see the same so how interesting is that mario he's talking about the underlying technology that's changing right now as well we often talk about oh they're using this blockchain they're they're adapting with this system he just described they're upgrading their computers 
to be able to leverage this technology over the next couple of years. And we got 415 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. If you're just jumping into the program, we're discussing the JP Morgan and BlackRock collaboration, also working with Barclays to leverage blockchain technology for tokenized assets. So with that being said, Mario, floor is yours. Yeah, the systems are definitely getting upgraded. The The financial system needs to advance in, in, the, in, in the sense of making things faster, being on 24-7, you know, just getting up to speed with how the entire world is as far as everything else. Now, the real question is, as, as Johnny referenced, you know, do we, are we really going to get a, a public form of a blockchain where we as individual investors can take advantage of that, right? But by buying these tokens, like we've been buying XRP, Quan, XLM, so on and so forth in a speculation that when utility comes, we're going to have price appreciation. We're going to be able to profit from that. So that continues to be the, the, the really big question that we will find out the answer for. Are we going to profit or are we going to benefit or are, is JP Morgan and is the underlying blockchain going to be public to the point where we're going to be able to benefit from that? I don't know how to answer that. Um, I am, I still have mixed feelings about it. Of course, I see all the clues. Of course, I see everything that's being built. I'm leaning more towards the yes, there will be a uh, one of these platforms, whether it's XRP uh, in in a combination, being able to communicate with everything else, you know, in a combination with something like Chainlink and Quant. Um, making everything work seamlessly. Um, but at the same time, I also I also don't think it was it's by accident that Ripple's been sued by the SEC. I don't think it's by accident the XRP is being used as the asset for uh, example of what is a security, what is not a security, and, and, and basically the example of an asset going forward for the crypto space. So I don't think these, these things are by accident. I think that they're happening for a reason, and that reason could very well be that Ripple goes on to do everything that they that they want to do, and that XRP becomes the number one solution for ODL and cross border payments. Johnny Crypto, floor is yours. I just want to get a response to that. Obviously, you're going to provide the contrarian opinion here, but what Mario just stated, I think you, people are taking an issue and then giving XRP as the solution. I think that any of these blockchains like HBAR, Algorand, XLM, a lot of them, and I own XRP is my biggest holding. This is what I want. I want XRP to be the most profitable, but I just think that this is a solution that there's, sorry, this is a problem that there's many solutions for. And us just gifting Ripple the opportunity to fix that globally, it's the opportunity of a lifetime. So my whole take is maybe Ripple gets 10%, maybe we get 30%. That's enough to create generational wealth. What are some of the other blockchains that you see as a solution to the problem we're describing? You know, as I said, Abs, one of the biggest things when you talk about what, what has to happen for the, the solve here is interoperability. So for me, the place that I look at for when I'm looking to invest in areas is something has to be like the TCP, TCP IP of the internet that made it enabled it to happen. And I've always felt Quant was in a lead position to do that or Chainlink. I like both of them. I think they both are are probably the best area because because something has to bring them all together. Communication. Nothing works without it. Like, yes, okay, Ripple can solve cross-border payment. It doesn't work if there's no communication. And then you need to have the interoperability with the whole world for it to really, really happen. And so, and I mean, look at the price of Link. I mean, Jesus Christ, you can get the thing at a significant. It was I mean, this is what I want to I keep this on the forefront of your mind, right? Look at the Chainlink price chart. And this is something that Mario sent me yesterday. Look at this chart. 
This is the psychology of the market chart. You tell me the similarities that you see. Look at that spike, euphoria, bear market. Now we're in this depression phase. If you look at the chain link price chart, and you can do this with a lot of crypto projects, yeah. euphoria, bear market, yes. pump, long yes. depression. We are the only thing missing on that are your Merlin exit targets on the way up. And that's what I try to tell people. Like this will, this chart will repeat itself again. But are you going to put yourself in a position that you've got your exit straight? And I don't, I hate to go to, but I, you know, I don't like to do cheap plugs. But yes, this, you I do. But it's okay, Johnny Crypto, because this no. show, it's about Merlin. And this is the most important thing, guys. No, this I, is about Merlin. This is about you, you, not you personally, but you in general, helping our folks understand how you create generational wealth. Look at that chart. If you watch that chart go all the way up and then you don't sell and you watch it come all the way down, you've done nothing for your family. You've done nothing for your generational wealth. All you've done is created yourself a stomach problem. Like we all like, like I watched, I watched several of these, you know, don't forget 2020 was my first bull run 2021. I watched a lot of these go up and come down. Why the hell you think I've been in Merlin? I'm, I'm never doing that again. Right. The spreadsheet was there, but I didn't understand enough about the market. I didn't understand enough about the cheat. I didn't understand all this stuff. Like I do not to the point where that's never happening to me again. That's why people are like, why are you selling? Why am I selling? Because I know what the chart is going to do. It's going to do what's on the screen. But the difference is it's what am I going to do now? What am I going to do different? I know now what the chart's going to do. The question is, what are you going to do? And what I'm going to do, Abs, and everybody who's got Merlin, we're going to put exit targets in. We're going to catch some of those on that way up, right? We're, we're, we're at $7 today. Things going to go maybe beyond 50. I'm going to have exit targets at 20. 35, 50, 75, and 100. Am I going to hit them all? No. Am I going to hit three? Yeah, maybe. Am I going to be happy as hell when I hit them? Yes. And then we're going to take some profits out, and then we're going to invest them elsewhere, whether it's in IUL insurance or real estate or whatever the hell you want, but put it in something that generates more asset for you. Don't go buy a Lambo, right? Because a Lambo goes down in value. You want to buy something that either goes up in value or I should say I shouldn't have said down because Lambo's kind of hold their value. But you want something that's producing you income, right? Take some of your money, smartest man in Babylon, and put it into something that's going to produce you more money. And that's what I'm excited for as we look at with the next bull run and what's going to happen. We're going to see a lot of these charts, apps. Make sure you're ready to do something about it. What am I? Why are you guys laughing? What am I? Because <laughs> you say because you keep butchering the names and stuff. It's richest man in Babylon, guys. Oh like, yeah, richest man in Babylon. That's the, side. <laughs> the premise of that book is to keep ten percent of your wealth. If I make $100, you allocate 30% towards spending, 30%, but you always save 10% of your wealth. It's like the oldest idea in the book. It's so simple, but that's how you create you know, those big long-term bags. And uh, Do you want to answer this question or should I answer it? You can answer it, but make it brief. Yeah, so basically, Merlin, we've designed it, guys. So when you create an exit strategy, we actually show you what the tax liability will be if, you, if all your targets are hit. So yes, you actually can see what your taxes would be as you're making money. Guys, we got 420 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And today, we're going to be talking about Algorand as well because this was a video I found a couple of weeks ago. I've been waiting to show it on the show because I wanted to do a little bit of research. The Algorand Foundation has joined the Open Wallet Fund, an open source project advancing digital identity access and payments across industries. They're excited to join Microsoft, Google, and Visa, as well as a couple other big companies to accelerate innovation and standards for digital payments and wallets worldwide. So Johnny, the audio is really low here. I'm going to try to play it for our listeners. You just give me a thumbs up if you want me to cut it. Here we go. I know Gabor already you know, hinted at that in his, uh, in his opening note, but um, 
process algorithm that's a blockchain blockchain for good and again i think there's a lot of interesting use cases and new capabilities coming coming with them as well and uh, and microsoft uh, which i'm really excited about and i think we're going to hear a lot more from microsoft as well in future future discussions so Microsoft entering the digital payment space and Algorand is involved in those conversations. This is what was so important about the Stellar and MoneyGram partnership. Stellar now has an advantage when, when discussing digital assets with these companies. Algorand now has the same advantage. They're going to have discussions with Microsoft, Google, and Visa. Another keynote before I kick it to you guys. Microsoft is going to be adding crypto capability to their Xbox, which launches in 2028. So that's going to be huge for the everyday American, the young kids who are 18 and below. They play Xbox every day. Now they decide, oh, look, I can make $4 while I'm playing. It's a little bit better than making no money. So what do you think, Johnny Crypto? It's huge. It's huge because the future generation are the kids. Okay. The adoption of crypto technology. You think they're fools? No, they, these big companies know it. You get the kids when they're young. And what do you? what's the best way to do it? What's the biggest industry in the world? I, everybody thought it was the movie industry. It's not. Gaming. Gaming. $300 billion industry. That means there's a shit ton of people playing games. So what's the best area to launch ad adoption for crypto? Hey, dude, when Microsoft launches crypto in their Xbox, that is going to change the game. You're going to see almost, I don't want to say instant adoption, but that is going to be one of the inflection points of adoption. It's going to be huge because that's where all the kids are. That's where they're all playing. They're all going to start saying, oh, because that's how the world works. The, you know, these big companies introduce something and then people adopt it. Bluetooth. You're all using Bluetooth today. You know why? Because Apple introduced it. They put it in the thing and now everybody uses Bluetooth. Right? Okay. Well, when Microsoft introduces crypto to the gaming world, Everybody's going to start using crypto in the gaming world. And then crypto, and then the next thing you know, gaming's just going to be huge. That's why I love like Gala and other things because I think, you know, they'll, you know, they'll get the halo effect of, 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 yeah, there you go, Gala. They'll get the halo effect of Microsoft playing in this space. But this is going to be big that Microsoft is going to be bringing crypto into the gaming space. And then it's just going to catch on. It's going to spread. And then other work with Algo. Algo is going to get their thing tied in there if they end up adopting algo right now remember just because we're hearing them say they're partnering with algo right now doesn't mean that it's a done deal and it's baked in you know what i'm saying remember we're early early on in the face and the way i want you to think about this is think about this when you were young and you were dating whether you're dating chicks or dating dudes right you date a bunch of them before you find your husband right okay so that's what happens the way to think the way that i'm trying to give the best simple analogy possible the way these companies work is they're going to date a bunch of these cryptos, okay? And then they're going to find the one they like the most, and that's the one they're going to marry, and they're going to go on. So don't think, I mean, let me ask you guys a question. How many people do you think marry the first chick they date or the first dude they date? It doesn't always happen, right? You're, exactly. You don't know, but it's not a lot. So the point is- Here's the thing, right? Let me throw a cool, cool analogy at you, right? If in countries where you don't get to select your own, but your partner is chosen for you, a lot of those, it's the first time. Okay, so let me ask you, wait a minute, I'm going to connect talking about people. We're talking about technology. Let me get a word in here. Let me get a word in because this is, it's perfect for the analogy. Think about it this way. Okay, what if, what if these partnerships aren't organic? They're being told by the big banks, we're going to be working with Ethereum or we're going to be working with XLM. And now you can follow accordingly. So what do you think about that, Johnny? Well, I, I, I ain't. 
I ain't doubting that there could be some of that happening where, you know, there could be some where, yeah, okay, you know what? It's forced on them. But no, that's typically not how it works. So the you know, way it's going to work is these companies are going to date a lot of these cryptos. You and I are going to hear about it because, and we're going to report about it because we're early on in the, in the dating sector. So we're going to report all the dating, but we don't know who's going to get the proposals for marriage, right? That's going to come later and it's going to change over time. So I'm just warning everybody that when you hear that these companies are dating these cryptos, just take it with a grain of salt and understand it's a date, but you know, follow it along. See if they have a second date and a third. Do you see other people dating the same chick, right? If you see all of them dating the same thing, it's a good sign. So that's just kind of, I'm just trying to give an analogy of way for people to think about kind of how adoption works is these guys are going to, these companies are going to test out different technologies apps. And then they're going to find the one that they think is the best. I know it. I lived through it. There were like 12 different wireless technologies we were looking at for Bluetooth back in 2020. Uh, 20, back in 2000. And then, of course, Bluetooth ended up winning. So I just want, I'm trying to bring that to our audience so they understand that just because you hear about Microsoft's partnering with Algo doesn't mean go run out and buy a shit ton of Algo. I mean, they may end up going, and you may want to buy some, but I just don't want you to think that they're married and they're, and they're tied in forever. That could change two months from now. So again, just trying to, just trying to, so Johnny, here's an idea for an app. How about we put a crypto investing slash dating, right? Where you get XRP swipe, or are you going to like it so that you can invest in it? But <laughs> we would need the companies to do that. But Mario, that's actually a great idea. If we could get like Microsoft and Amazon and all of them, be like, hey, swipe left to swipe, right? But I, I do <laughs> then have. We would know. Then we would know what's going on. Who's the most likely date? That's I do have an important. Idea, I do have an important comment as far as like the gaming and all that stuff. Like we, it, it's crazy how much we haven't been hearing about NFTs and play to earn. I mean, nobody's talking about the apes. Nobody's talking about the horses. All this stuff is still happening in the background. NFTs are, in my opinion, still going to be a thing. Play to earn, in my opinion, is going to be huge. And if we look at companies like Gala, Gala hasn't stopped since the bear market. They've, they've expanded into the music industry. They've expanded into the movie industry. And now they're getting into the social uh, creator industry. They're launching like sort of like a social media platform where creators can get compensated for, for, for you know, for creating. Uh, so like pay attention, people. Like the fact that there's no hype around it right now, obviously during the bull market, we had wrong executions. We had hype. We had things that weren't sustainable. Um, but these things will turn around and, and the technology is still here and the technology is going to obviously advance and we're going to see forms of it that, that are, that are worth investing in. Mario, this is what we're going to get into next guys. We got 412 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button. And this is what I want to focus on for the end of the episode. Yesterday, our friend Tony Edward interviewed Raul Paul, a former JP Morgan investor here. And he's known for giving amazing crypto takes. He talks about Metcalf's Law, Ethereum. Recently, he's become an XRP supporter. But right now, he's discussing the Ripple case and the effect it had on U.S. regulation. Here we go. Once you start conflating politics with legal, um, with legal precedent, that's when you realize that's when you start losing cases. So they're doing it for politics. And the court is throwing it out for the right reasons, which is this is not legal. So I think there's a bunch of these. I'm sure the SEC will win a couple here and there, but 
they're not going to win these big cases. I mean, I've always said the sheer number of smart people and the amount of money in this space that is focused on these issues is gigantic. The government is up against something much bigger than picking off an investment bank. You're picking off people who are super motivated by what this space represents and where it's going. And the people in the space are literally the smartest people in the world. So they don't go to fight without knowing that they're coming with a bazooka to that fight. Well, the SEC is treating it like it's a bunch of cowboys. They have no real understanding of who they're up against. Shout out to David Schwartz. He's talking about the smartest people in the world. That man has got to be on the list. And Johnny, I just want to get some brief comments. We got a Charles video I'm going to close out the show with today. What do you think about Raul Paul basically stating that it's going to come through the courts, but a lot of times the SEC is going to lose? You know, I, I think I think Raul hit a good point. You know, I think the SEC came out, and if they came out thinking we're going to go after these little guys, you know, they would have won more of these cases. But they went after some of the big boys. They went after guys with deep pockets. Well, two two mistakes the SEC made. A, they went after guys with deep pockets. And they went after, you know, companies that, that really want to play in this space. I mean, Coinbase is out here for real. Ripple is out here to play for real. Binance is out here to play for real. These aren't pump and dump, you know, Pepe's and Safe Moons and other kind of crap coins that are going to go away. These things are real world technology solves that are here to solve problems. They're building companies to make money in this space. And they're not going to go down without a fight. And they're well resourced, well funded. So you're going to see them, you know, battle this thing. And so I, I agree with him that, you know, I think the SEC is going to lose a lot of these cases because of the reality of that there is, you know, not a lot of clarity around this space. It's going to be hard. And, and, and it's sad that it has to be one in court. We don't want this one in court. We actually want this. We want, we want, we want, we want Congress to come out with regulation, right, Mario? We want them to come out and say, hey, this is what it is. This is how it works. And this is how it's defined. And this is what, and then, and that makes it simple and all that stuff, you know, basically, you know, then, then it becomes clear what we have and the industry can move forward on an exponential trend, you know, and you'll see serious adoption, serious use cases, um taking off and in and of course nice price appreciation right but we're just so early i mean we every once in a while we should bring up the amazon chart you know we could show like we're just every we're early. well that's not bringing up because it's painful but yeah, i know point is, well, for me it's painful for everybody else is not but it shows you the reason why i like it it's a great example of understanding why you want to take profits in the speculative phase because you have to wait a long time for the utility phase well, I should say you have to wait a long time for the exponential price appreciation to happen when you're in the utility phase. Guys, we got 397 live listeners here. I'm going to go through two videos to end this show. The first one, this is them discussing Ripple's expansion outside of the United States, despite the SEC lawsuit. Still a long way to go in the U.S. in terms of providing regulatory clarity. But frankly, Ripple's business has been thriving um, regardless. Uh, in some ways, we've been operating, um, you know, even as if we lost the suit, which, of course, we didn't. Um, and outside of the U.S., uh, in regions like Asia Pacific, in the Middle East, in, in the EU, in the U.K., uh, you know, we continue to press our, our, our advantage and move forward. And that's because there's regulation to do so, Johnny. Even if it's not friendly regulation, they can at least try to play by the rules. And that's what we're seeing in Singapore and so on all across the world. 
This is what we're going to end the show on today. This is a video of Charles Hodgkinson, the founder of Cardano, stating something very important. He says if upgrade number 1694 does not pass, he will burn the Genesis keys. What could this mean for Cardano? Let's discuss what the weasel has to say. You know, the reality is, if 1694 does not pass, I, I'm out of ideas on the best way moving forward for having an on-chain upgrade system, in which case I don't want to be involved in designing the new one. And so what we'll do on the I.O. side is we're just going to burn the Genesis keys we have. And Emergo and the CF are going to have to figure out uh, if they want to continue along those lines or not. You know, and it's not a it's it just we put our heart and soul for two years and work with the community about this. And we think this is the best way moving forward to get things done and move it to a system that is very decentralized and has a lot of upgradeability built in. The problem is any deviation from what's been put down will either be regressing to probably a more centralized state or be such a radical departure from the design of Cardano, it would be a commitment to years of development effort. Uh, and we're just not going to do that. Somebody else should do that and step forward for it. So the community has to decide on these things. But that's the point of social consensus. The point of social consensus is blackmail, Johnny Crypto. If I don't get what I want, I'm stepping away, says Charles Hodgkinson. And I'm just teasing guys about the weasel comment earlier. I do respect Charles, and I'm only making jokes. But, Johnny, floor is yours. No, I mean, I think what Charles is describing is that, you know, when you're developing code, especially when you're trying to develop code that's decentralized, it's very, very difficult. And, and obviously what he's describing here is there's a path forward that they're thinking they want to move forward. But if something deviates in that, it it does it, it kind of breaks everything. And, and, and then that means you have to spend tons of time to be able to try to fix things that you don't even how to fix when you don't know what the deviations are going to be. So I totally, being in the software field, right, I totally get where he's coming from. I totally understand why he's like, hey, look, that's not something we can solve. We're trying our best path forward. That's what we think it is. If the community decides, no, it's not, you know, then, okay, we're not, we're not going to continue down that path with it. You know, at a certain point in time, what you learn when you're writing code or when you're developing software products apps, you have to draw the line because otherwise you could spend a ton of resource time you know, and he said it would take years. And I know what he means, right? Uh, when we made a lot of tough choices like that, when Merlin, when we were designing it, we said, okay, listen, here's what we can do. Here's what we can't do. Here's what we have, the resources that we're capable of doing. And we made those choices. So for people who don't understand what he's talking about, I'm trying to make it simple. He's trying to say, hey, look, there's only so many paths. There's only so many things we could do with the resources we have. And we're going to try it. And if it doesn't work or the community decides they don't want that approach, we can't afford to go in seven different directions. And I, I get it. So, you know, what? from from that perspective, he's a smart guy. He understands you have to make decisions as well. You know, and that's sometimes what, you know, what, what, what a leader has to do. You have to make the tough decisions. So good for him. I'm glad he made a decision. And if it doesn't work, he's going to burn the keys and move on. It's the right thing to do, in my opinion. Mario, we only got about 30 seconds, so I don't want to put you on the hot seat and ask for a response, but is there anything on the forefront of your mind before we close the show? No, I mean, I, I think Charles, you know, we know the, per the kind of personality that he has. Uh, he's very set on what he thinks and what he thinks is what he uh, wants to put in motion. So, like, again, yeah, like you, I have much respect for him. Do I agree with some of the things and how he says it? No, sometimes, but um, at the end of the day, like Johnny referenced, he's, in, he's entitled to keep up with his vision. At the end of the day, he created Cardano with a vision and he has to try his best to take it to take it to the very end.
Thank you so much, Mario. And with 20 seconds left, we got 393 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And thank you for being here today. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. I want to say thank you to Johnny and thank you to Mario. We'll see you in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors.